Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 40, No Fixed Address. I was filling out paperwork earlier this week for my osteopath appointment, and right off the top, there were problems. I texted Mike. What do I put for my address? I asked him. He replied, just put NFA for now. NFA, I thought. National Firearms Association? But when I asked, he clarified that it meant no fixed address. No fixed address. That's a phrase you hear in the news from time to time. Police have made an arrest in some kind of crime, and Joe Smith of no fixed address is facing certain charges in court. It almost makes it sound like a town or a city, a place that seems fairly dodgy, since you only ever hear about it when someone there has done something wrong. But this is our reality right now. We are residents of the lovely town of no fixed address at the moment, and will be for at least two months, if not more. So far, for us at least, it hasn't been a bad little place. We have a bed to sleep in, and a kitchen to cook in, and I have room enough for my spinning wheels and a place to record my podcast. But it's not a very settled place to be. Even this cozy little corner of it is finite, and the time to move on is ticking down at a pace I would like to hold back. But being here has forced me to rethink some of my assumptions about the people who live in no fixed address, and what it's like. Let's break it down a bit. First, address. One of the biggest hassles of this move has been how to handle our mail. It has to go somewhere, but it can't go to the new house because we don't live there yet. And it can't go to the old house because we don't live there either. And it can't go to the suite because we won't be here for very long, and we won't be moving from here to the new house. Mike still lives in eternal hope that the builder will pull off a miracle, but I am slightly more cynical about the whole thing. In the end, our mail's being sent to a friend I work with, and she's bringing it to me at the office. But lacking an address is not just a hassle for the mail. The osteopath's office didn't mind that I had no address but said that I wouldn't be able to submit the receipt to my health insurance without one. Having no address in modern society makes a whole host of things all that much more difficult. Second, fixed. To be fixed implies a certain permanency, a stability that I am very much lacking right now. I still have a job and a regular schedule of appointments and knitting groups, but there is an upheaval in the whole situation that I'm having trouble dealing with. I find myself turning more to self-deprecating humor, on the assumption that if you can't laugh at your situation, then you're really toast. But even I know that there's a hint of desperation in the humor. I like being fixed. Even when I did my grand tour of Europe in 2000, I had a plan and a list of reservations in hostels and on trains, even before I left Canada. I at least need a plan, a date where I know that this period of instability will come to an end and this pseudo-vagabond existence will be over. And I don't have that right now. Third, no. No is the ultimate negating word. Take a list of nouns 
Any nouns that have some importance in your life and contribute to your well-being. House, home, stability, familiar furniture. Then add no in front of them. When the Packers were in the house Friday before last and putting everything we owned that wasn't already in the pod or the storage unit into boxes, I really felt like I was in some sort of surreal alternate universe. These things that were being professionally wrapped up and put away were things that I wasn't going to see again for months. It's an exciting time, but I couldn't feel excited about it because of this period of limbo, this time of no. No house, no home, no stability, no familiar furniture. No fixed address. It's been a big and convoluted set of circumstances that has brought us to this place. It makes me wonder what the stories are of the other people who live here. What set of events brought them here? Is it finite for them as it is for me, eventually? Or do they not have an exit point? Or not have the resources to get out of this town? Do they maybe like it here? I'm sure there are some people who enjoy not being tied down, but does that freedom come at a cost? And what is the cost to them? But this isn't a town in which you can just walk down the street and strike up conversations with the neighbors. It's a town laid over a town, or a city, or a country. It is the shadow of a whole community of fixed addresses. But finding myself here, I also find myself wondering about the others. And now, it doesn't seem quite so dodgy, after all. Thanks for listening. This is by the fiber side. Fiber Week. I haven't moved a lot in my life. A few times with my parents, a couple times when I couldn't remember, I was too young. And then, of course, out of my parents' place and then up here. As moves go, this one didn't go too badly. It was so worth the money to bring people in to pack and also people to move. There was no way that we could have done it on our own. So that at least was worth it. I am just living in absolute fear that uh, that I let them take something that I need for my homework. But anything that they took that I might need for my homework is easily replaceable. It just takes a trip out to Pam's or out to Kaylee and and then hopefully I can get whatever it is I need. But anyhow, we moved in here on Tuesday and uh, and I didn't get my wheels before Friday. I was so exhausted that I was going to get them Thursday, but when I got back here I crashed and had to take a nap and then it was really windy and I didn't want to go out. So I picked them up Friday. They got here on Friday. So I've been, uh, I've actually, I have a plan. Well, and I've also done a bit of spinning. So Thursday and Friday, I read the cotton chapter in Stephanie Gostad's book, uh, The Practical Spinner's Guide to Cotton, Flax, and Hemp. I didn't want to confuse myself by reading the flax and hemp chapters quite yet. I'm still having trouble with cotton. But well, this is a really, really good book. There, there have been things about cotton that I just haven't been able to get, and and the the cotton chapter in in Gostad's book 
really helped me figure out how cotton actually works. So yesterday and today, I sat down and I spun cotton. Now, you can only spin cotton until your hands get sweaty, and it's been really hot here the last few days, so I could only spin for uh, probably about an hour and a half yesterday, and then again a couple hours this morning. But I have a skein of cotton, two-ply, 20 yards, spun from Sliver, which I've been having a lot of problems with, that is holding together. And, I mean, I don't know if it's going to balance or, or how it's going to come out of the boil, but but it actually looks like a skein of cotton. And that's better than I've been doing for the whole year prior to this. So I will take it. And it actually has me thinking about going back to the cotton silk um, idea that I had for my final project. Now, I'm going to have to spend a lot more time spinning cotton until I'm comfortable with it, but still it's certainly it's certainly an option so we'll see i'm i want to over the next couple of days probably tonight after the podcast is posted go out and uh, card up some punies for uh, the ginned cotton skein that i need to spin for for the level and uh and do a bit of spinning on that and but next up probably tonight as well is uh is silk for weft because um, when it was too hot, I decided, well, I just have my pin loom. I'll, I'll uh, see if I need to spin more of the warp, and I don't. So I've, I've got my little pin loom warped up with the, the silk that I spun for warp. Now I want to do the weft, and so I'm going to give that a try. My plan is for a three-ply spun out of silk noil. Now, I'm not 100% sure if I want to use the combed silk noil that I picked up from Marg at Fiber Week, or if I just want to do like a textured silk noil. Or maybe what I do is two of the textured plies and one of the combed, and see how that goes. So we'll see. I'll start with the, the regular silk noil and spin and spin it up that way. So, so that's next up. It's... Uh, it's going to cool down a bit. We're going to have a few more hot days here, but then it will cool down and that should make it easier to spin the cotton and also the silk. And yeah, just keep going on the level three homework. I'm probably going to run to Value Village or some charity shop and see if I can find a pot that I can use for my cellulose fiber finishing pot. I don't really want to use one that is for food because all the nasty stuff comes out of the cotton. And I'm, my uh, dye pot, which is at the storage unit, is huge. It's a massive stock pot. So that's also not ideal for, uh, for finishing off 20-yard skeins. So we'll see. I'll, I'll uh, see if I can get one of those, because then, then I can just, you know, do that. You know, spin up a couple skeins so that I know what they are, and, uh, and finish them off. So... We'll see. But uh, I'm finally getting my energy back. It was a pretty crazy couple of weeks there. And being able to sleep in the last couple of days has been handy. And also naps. Naps are so important. And I really wish I could have a nap at work. But you just can't. So anyway, that's where I'm at with the homework.
Fiber Notes. It's a simple truth that fiber arts are the is what I use to keep myself from going insane when the stress levels get high. So with all the move and the packing and everything going on, I cast on for the stage four socks for Tour de Sock. And yeah, maybe I could have, you know, worked on something I had in on progress, but it's still Tour de Sock and and these socks were really really nice. The pattern is by Megan Ryan. It's called Dazzle Them From Behind. And on the front, it's a very simple sock. It's just a, it's just a ribbing pattern, but the back, the back is where all the fun is. Cables and beads and traveling stitches and really, really well done. Not hard, but, but very, very interesting. So I used my, uh, Dream in Color Smooshy sock that I got a while back in a swap. It's a dark, dark purple, and I paired it with uh, light purple beads, and it looks really, really nice. Now, I'll grant you, I wasn't even trying to finish this stage. I just wanted to cast on the sock because I needed something to knit that, uh, that you know, could keep my interest and, and, you know, help me with the stress. So the stage ended on Thursday, and I had just gotten to the heel flap. And I'm okay with that. You know, I'm going to try and I'm going to keep working on this pair. It'll be my work project. And uh, and we'll go from there. Now, the fifth stage, I was really tempted to put these aside and actually cast on for the fifth stage because that looks like an awesome sock as well. It's called um, Arch Enemy or Arch Nemesis, one of the two. And it's got a very interesting shaping over top of the arch of the foot. So I definitely want to give that a try. You know, for for everything, the, tour, the whole Tour de Sock, every single sock pattern that's come out so far has been eminently wearable. And yeah, like it's going to take me uh, a bit of time to figure out how to um, how to alter uh, the Cam Chu sock that I knit for my mom so that it would work for my foot. And also the, uh, the Roll and Bones sock the, with the randomized pattern, uh, color work pattern, how to make that work as well for my foot. And I think it's just going to be a matter of needle size and yarn choice, but every single one of them has been just a sock that I would love to have in my wardrobe. So I'm really, really pleased with, with the quality of the patterns and I can't wait to knit them all someday, (laughs) not this week. So yeah, stage five started on Thursday. Haven't cast that on. Like I said, last time I've given up on tour to sock. I'm not I'm not in it for the points at this point. I'm just in it for the pretty socks and, and to be able to have the patterns. So I did pack up all the projects that I have on the go. They're in a backpack. I have yet to unpack said backpack, not because, you know, I'm short on, you know, things to do. I've got the sock and I've got my homework. And at some point I probably will unpack it. And just see what's in there if I, you know, get tired of socks or what have you. But I am not going to right now because it's well packed and we just don't have a lot of room here. So I'm going to leave it all packed up for now. And yeah, we'll see. There's a few weeks yet that we're here. I'm pretty sure I can finish a pair of socks and then might go digging in that uh, backpack and see what's there.
by the wayside. It's going to be a short episode this time, but really, with the move, there really wasn't a lot of time to do anything but move. So, last Saturday, uh, that was the day that the movers were there. My mom and my sister came to help me clean, which was oh so awesome. Thank you both so much for that. And uh, Saturday night, we actually went out to see Maleficent. So that was a lot of fun. The whole the whole uh, spinning wheel massacre, I, I you know that really got me. But the movie itself, I really enjoyed. But that meant, of course, no time on the tapestry, uh, which I mean, I was too tired anyway. So it's all good. So last night. After I was done warping up my pin loom and it was too hot to spin cotton, uh, so all of a sudden I thought to myself, wait a minute, it's Saturday night. That means it's tapestry night. So I pulled out the tapestry and I worked on it last night. So for, for a couple of hours. It, uh, I'm so close to finishing the outlining. It, it's, it's, it's definitely within the realm of possibility to be done by next episode. I put in four lengths of yarn last night and got about half done that last tree, as well as most of the rope that the boar is tied to the tree with. So that's not half bad for for the short amount of time that I actually did spend on it. So yeah, I'm really thinking that with a couple good nights in on it, and you know, if it's hot, if I can't spin at night, well, why not work on the tapestry, right? Like at least get something done then then yeah it's certainly i think it's really doable to be done the outlining by next episode and be possibly started on the last well obviously there's, there's a lot of it but but the last parts of the filling in oh, wouldn't that be awesome but then what do i do for by the wayside i mean i have old you know not knitting or spinning projects that I have, you know, that I could use for a By the Wayside project, but they're all packed somewhere. You know, I I don't think I'm going to finish before we move into the new house. I don't think so. I could be wrong, but we'll see. Anyhow, sorry for the short episode, guys, but but yeah, it was a a busy week, but not with anything fiber arty. Uh, it, It settled in a bit. I'm taking the next couple of weeks off before I start thinking about where the next place we get to move to is. And that means it's time enough for a lot more fiber arts. Thank you for joining me for episode 40. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 41 on July 27th, 2014. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion in our group on Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in Loch Ness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.